Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen Wa salatu wa salam Ala Sayyid al-Anbiya wa al-Mursaleen Nabiyyina Muhammad Wa ala alihi wa sahbihi Ajma'ayna ma'bad Inshallah we'll be continuing on With our tafsir of Surah Al-Fatiha We started on the first day With the basmana And then we talked about Rahman Rahim We talked about Alhamdulillah we talked about Rahman and Rahim again and how it's related to that. We talked about Maliki Yom al-Din. And yesterday we talked about Iyya Kana'ud. Uh, and yesterday our discussion revolves mainly around Ibadah. And what does Ibadah mean, Allah Azawajal, when He mentions this term? And it comes in a number of ayat and it comes in a number of ahadith. Um, so we spent most of the discussion yesterday defining what Ibadah uh, comprises of. What does Tawheed mean? what does shirk mean and how those things are related to ibadah. Uh, today inshallah we're going to talk about uh, isti'ana but before we continue on to isti'ana there's just one thing I wanted to complete uh, to complete the discussion from last night in regards to tawassul. Now tawassul is something that we had mentioned yesterday just from one aspect. So yesterday we talked about the types of tawassul that were not permissible. Uh, we mentioned the types of tawassul that were not permissible, specifically with the Prophet and with the righteous. Today, uh, I would like to discuss about the types of tawassul that are permissible and that uh, Allah has allowed us to do and the Prophet has allowed us to do. So what are those types of tawassul? What are those means that we can use to draw nearer to Allah that's that are mashru'ah, that are things that the Prophet mentioned or Allah mentions in the Quran. Huh? Salah, okay. Even more general than that. Salah would be one type of what? I'm sorry? A worship, okay. Any good deed, right? Any good deed that an individual does, he can use that good deed to draw nearer to Allah or to help him out of a particular situation if he feels like he is uh, in a tight situation he wants out of that situation and he needs Allah's help so it is okay for him to seek that good deed as a means to get out of that situation and what, where did we get that from? What, what is a good example of that? Do we have any examples from the Quran or the Sunnah? Ashab al-Kaf which, which is Ashab al-Kaf, right? We got, we got two, people that went, two groups of people that went to a cave so which one are we talking about? Huh? Okay, mashallah, good. So that that's part of the story. So where is this story? Is, is it in the Quran or is it in the Sunnah? This is a hadith, right? This is in the Sunnah of the Prophet And these are the three, huh? the three people that entered a cave. They stayed there for the night, and then what happened? Then a boulder fell, right? A boulder fell, and it closed the entrance on them. So these individuals. All three of them, they said, okay, how do we get out of this situation? You know, we're, we're stuck, we're, we're probably going to die if we're stuck in here, and the boulders has closed us, uh, have clo- has closed us in. So what did they do to try to get out of this situation? Because they said, okay, we can't dig, we don't have the physical ability to do this, and the chance coming of someone coming to rescue us is, is little to none. So what is something that we can actively do to help us out of this situation? Huh? Okay, dua. So, but the way that they made their dua is actually very unique. Right, the way they made their du'a is actually very interesting to help them out of that situation. They didn't just say, Ya Rahman, Ya Rahim, you know, Ya Rasaq, Ya Hay, Ya Qayyum, 
you know, and out of, your, out of your power and your ability, please move this rock out of the way. Right? They didn't just make that simple du'a. There was something, there was another element that they added to their du'a. What, what was that? Tawassal. They did tawassal. What? They did tawassal. Tawassal? Yeah. How did they do tawassal? Uh, with their deeds. What did they do exactly? Uh, the, and what, what is the story very quickly? Who, who remembers the three, the three individuals that are mentioned? What did they? What it is? What is it that they did? I'm sorry. Right. They, they had. It was very important to them. Right. It was a very standout deed that they did. Something that really stood out in their mind, and they remembered it very clearly. Like, I, I did that deed, and I, I did it purely for Allah. I did it strictly for Allah's so sake. So, what were those deeds that they did? All right, the milk to his parents. So what, what happened with him? He stood all night waiting Right, he stood, like, the guy is Palam Eskino. He, he, uh, he what, what did he do? He, every day, he used to, he had a farm. He, in the, when the day was ending, he used to milk the cow. And instead of giving it to his family first, he would go to his parents. Why would he go to his parents? Right, they're out of respect, right? This, this was his way of honoring and respecting his parents, right? His way. Because there, there are a number of ways that an individual can honor and respect their parents, yes or no? Like some, some parents, they like to be honored by just visiting, right? You come and visit them once a week or once a month. Some parents, they like to be honored because, um, like I remember when, when I was growing up, if I gave part of my paycheck to my parents, that was something that would make, make them like really happy, even though they didn't need my money. I mean, I was working part-time, I was working late, like $8 an hour or something. You know, the, the money was really nominal. But they felt really happy that I was contributing in some way to the house. Uh, some parents, they feel honored when their, their children kiss their hands, right? They're, this honoring is something that's very subjective. It's going to change from house to house. Different parents expect different things from their children. So what was important to this person? What was important to this person and how he would honor them is he would give them the milk first. So this one night, he, was, he, he ran a little bit late. And he got there and he found what? He found his parents sleeping. So what did he do? And he waited. He waited until they woke up. And when his parents woke, what did they say? <laughs> They're like, why? You know, why? Why did you do that? And wh- what does that? What does that tell us? He did it for a while. His his parents, they might have appreciated it. They might have thought, you know, this is something that really it's really nice that he does for us, and that you know we like it. But to, they would never imagine their son going to that extent. And the reason he was able to go to that extent is because he did it for Allah. It was never for, it, it, and, and that's very telling. It, this thing that he did for them, he didn't do it for them. He didn't do it for them. He did it for Allah. And then what happened? He said, Ya Allah, I did this action for you. And if I truly was sincere for you, and because of this action, please what? Please move the boulder. And what happened? The boulder moved, right? The boulder moved just a little bit. It wasn't enough for them to get out, but, but the boulder moved a little bit. So then the other two guys, obviously, they're sitting there, they're like, okay. <laughs> he, 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 I, think, I think he's on to something. So what did the second guy say? What did he do? He was in love with his cousin. Right, he was in love with his cousin. 
right? He, th he thought she was extremely attractive. He was really in love with her. So then what happened? Uh, how, how did that happen? How did the situation happen where they ended up being alone together? I'm sorry? Uh, she wanted to borrow some money from him. Initially, what had happened is he went to the house, he went to the father, and he proposed. And what did they say? They said, no, you're poor. Like, we're not, we're not, we're not going to marry, I'm not going to marry my daughter for you, you're not, you're not well off. So then when, after some time passed, he came into some money. And they ended up becoming poor. And she had a father, but the father, he didn't go. He didn't go to ask. And Allah, this, this shows some ill intent by the father also, that he's sending his daughter, young daughter, obviously, to go and marry, uh, to go and borrow some money from this person, in hopes that what? Huh? Right, because if he went, if he went, what are the chances that he would say no to him? Like, there's like 100%. Like, if he went to him, he's like, wait, you're the guy that said I couldn't marry your daughter, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm not giving you any money. But if the, if the girl went herself, there's a, a greater chance that just her beauty, or just by seeing her, you would be influenced and give her the money. But he didn't. He, he put a condition. What condition was that? He said, make zina with me and I'll give you the money. That's what he said. He said, make zina with me and I'll give you the money. And then what happened? She agreed. she agreed. And they ended up being together. And he was about to penetrate. He had, he had gotten on her. He was about to penetrate. And what happened? She reminded her of Allah. Right, she said, Ittaqibah. She said, fear Allah. And what did he do? He feared Allah. He, feared Allah. He, he got up. He said, take your money and leave. And then he said, Ya Allah, if I did this sincerely for your sake, please make that deed as a means to remove this bolt. And what happened? The boulder moved a little bit. And the third person, There's some money, right? So basically what happens is there's a, there's a shepherd and the man came to him and he gave him some money. He said, can you, can you hold on to this money for me, please? I'll come back and, and, get, and take it. So the shepherd, what did he do with the money? Right, he used it, right? He, he used the money. Uh, he bought some, you know, he, he bought whatever animals. There were cattle and some, he made some investments, etc. And uh, he forgot. A few, a few years later, or some time later, the man who gave him the money, he said, he said, hey, I'm, I'm back. Can, can, I, can you give me the money that uh, I left with you to hold? You know, that I wanted you to hold on to me. So what did he tell him? He said, he said all of this is yours. So what did, the person who came, what did he do? He said, are you making fun of me? He said, <laughs> he said, no, he's like, are you joking? He said, no. He said, all of this is yours. And then what did he do? He took it. <laughs> he took it and he ran. <laughs> so he, he took all that money. He took everything. And he had the right because why did he have a right to those or to whatever came from that? It was, uh, it was an investment without what? 
without consent. And because of his investment without consent, he had a right to everything. Had it been a normal investment, how do investments work? It, based on agreement. Huh? Not, not the, the profit and loss is part of it, there's no doubt. But it's based on the agreement. If, even if, if I put 20% of the money and you put 80% of the money, but I say, hey, I'm going to do the work, so the profits are going to be split 50-50, that's okay. Why is that okay? Because this is what we both agreed on. Now, the problem in this person's case is there was no agreement. He just said, hold my money. Yeah, I just need you to hold on to this, and I'll come back. And, and the Bedouins, the Arabs, they used to do this a lot. Why? Because they would travel, and they, they didn't have, there was no banking system, you know, per se, that you know, they just swipe an ATM in Syria and get, get their money. So they, they would leave, and they would trust their money to a person to hold on to, because they said, you know, when I come back, I'm going to need it, and if I travel with it, I'm not going to travel with it. Why? Security reasons. Right? There's going to be a bandit, someone's going to rob me, and then I'm going to lose all of my money. It's better that I leave it here in a safe place, and somebody will watch it and keep an eye on it for me, who I trust. And obviously this person was trustworthy. I mean, he was trustworthy in the sense that he gave him everything. And he wasn't trustworthy in the sense that he used the money. But, <laughs> but that, that's, that's, that's another issue. Not totally. Prophet, so so I'm sorry? People were giving things with the Prophet. Yes, and, and the Prophet he was known as Al-Amin. Right? He was known as somebody who was trustworthy. Why? Because people used to trust their things with him. This is one of the things that he did. People would leave their things with him, and he would give them back to them. And this is something that, yes, that the Prophet was known for. But this person, he said the same thing. Ya Allah, if I did this, if I gave that individual everything back to him, for your sake, then please use that deed as a means to remove this boulder. And then what happened? The boulder moved enough for all three of them to get out. So this, the Prophet is sharing this story with us, is sharing this narrative with us to show the permissibility of doing tawassul with your good deeds. That's one. Right? There, there are three. There are three ways that we can do tawassul that are mashru'ah, that are allowed. What is the second? Hmm. What vehicle can I use to draw near to Allah or to ask Allah to accept something from me? We said good deeds is one. There's no doubt about that. What else? The Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu when he was alive. So we can make that even gen more general. We can make that even more general. Who does that? Who can we make tawassul with? Individuals, anybody who is alive and we deem to be righteous. Anybody who is living and we deem to be righteous, it is permissible to go to that person and ask them for du'a to make du'a for you. For Allah to say, you know, yeah, can you please make du'a for me that my wife gets better, or my mother is ill, or my father got into an accident, and that's Allah. All of these things, it is permissible to ask somebody else to do that for you. And what is the third? Sadaqah would fall under the first category, right? Of good deeds. Yes. Using a characteristic of your mother? No, or using a characteristic of another person? My, my imam. Uh-huh. Oh, the imam. <laughs> I, I, would look some, I would look for somebody more righteous. <laughs> uh, so the third one, using Allah's names. Using his Asma al Husna. How? So these are all of Allah's names. These are all of Allah's names. And the Prophet, he, told, he used to make dua with Allah's names in different situations. 
Allah he says about himself, Oh Allah, O Adur Rahman, Ayyma Tadru. But the translation is whether you call upon Allah or you call upon Rahman, Allah is going to answer your dua. Allah he says about himself, Walillahi Rasma, Al Husna fa what? He says Allah has all good names So make dua With those names So what are some appropriate dua that we can make What, are, what is some way we can do wasila with these names What are some situations That we can apply this to Another example Uh-huh Good. And if I'm looking for Allah to cure me, I would say, yeah? Shafi. Huh? Yeah, Hakim. If I'm Allah, if I'm looking for Allah to, to bless me in something, right? I can ask for the one who blesses me. I can ask I can ask for Rahman. I can ask Rahim. There's there's a number of names that Allah has to help apply to the different situations that we all fall in. Why is this why can't I say, for example, you guys said if I if I'm looking for risk. I can say, Ya Razak Razakni, Ya, oh, the one who gives sustenance, please provide sustenance for me. Why is that better than saying, Ya Allah Razakni, you know, oh Allah, provide me with risk, or better than saying, oh Rahman, provide me with risk? Why is it better to say that? Okay, why is that important? That I'm talking about the specific quality. Okay. Yeah. Okay. The re- reminder is for who, though. Let's let's huh? For us. That's why it's important. And a person who does that, what does that show about him? That he's he he's trying to be very what? Cognizant, trying to have taqwa, trying to be aware of Allah's so just different names and attributes. So the more names that we know, the better we can. Call him. Yes. Yeah. Through what? Someone's name. Like someone or Allah's? Okay. We talked about this yesterday. We actually had a very long discussion on it. No, in general, it's not. In general, it's not. Yeah. I won't even say in general. It, it's not. It's not permissible to make dua in somebody else's name. Even through Muhammad. Even through Muhammad. Yeah. 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 But the thing is, we and we had mentioned this. We talked, we talked about it in detail yesterday. I, I don't want to repeat everything again. But basically, the difference that we made, because the problem that we had with Wasila is that some people who say that if you do it with other than Allah, this is what they say, shirk. And what do we say about that? Huh? We we can say it's a bid'ah, but we cannot say it's shirk, right? We don't say that this is shirk. We can say it's a bid'ah. Why do we say it's a bid'ah, or why do we say it's not permissible? Right, uh, the Prophet some didn't do it. Okay, that's good. That's good. 
but there has to be something more concrete because there's a lot of things that Prophet didn't do that people still do today that we can't say are haram. And, and, and a very easy example of that is uh, praying two rakat before Maghrib. This is something Prophet never did, but it's something that is still allowed. It's part of worship. Huh? Part of yeah, there are a lot of things that are part of worship, right? Yeah. Uh. You know, you have to look at the that helps us define whether it's shirk or not. That doesn't help us define the actual hukum is this allowed or not. Oh. You understand? Well, there's something in the sunnah. And the sahaba uh, is not either. Okay. The sahaba, that's, that's a good point. Except for Abbas. But he was alive. Yes. Right? He was alive when they did that. So the wasila that was done during the time of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, it was done with him, and he allowed it, right? We 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 said this very clearly yesterday that people when they came to him they say, Ya Rasulullah, make it, you know, ask Allah to make it rain. Ya Rasulullah, cure me of this sickness. Ya Rasulullah, you know, ask Allah to bless me with this and to give me land and to give me money. Ya Rasulullah, you know, ask Allah uh, to to increase my health. All of these things people went to the Prophet to do. And what did we say about that? Why why is that significant? Because he sallallahu alaihi wasallam what? He did it. He didn't say no. He didn't say no to anybody. He didn't say no. You can't come and ask me, or this is haram, or this is bid'ah. He didn't say anything like that. He allowed them to do it. But the companions, after he sallallahu alaihi wasallam passed, which one of them did it? Oh, for the death. For with the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. None. And and this is why this is why we say that it is not permissible because it is not something that any of the companions did after he sallallahu alaihi wasallam died. But these other three ways that we mentioned, they continued doing. These other three ways that they spoke about, they continued doing and they continued teaching. Yes. So just to clarify, you're saying that if you go to a living person mm-hmm. that is you know very quiet, yeah. you ask them, hey, please make sure to Allah yeah. that my mom gets better. Yes. If that person has already passed away, mm-hmm. then you can't say, oh, in memory of this person who is pious who passed away, yeah. grandma did. What, what is intended by that? Because the reason I'm a little confused is because, like, in one hand, you're saying that it's okay to go to a pious person and ask them to make love for you. Okay, but, but why? On the other hand, it's not. He's alive. Because he's alive. He's alive. What is he, he going to do? When I'm asking right. him, what is he doing? He's going to make dua to Allah. Right? And he's what? He's actively there. He's right there. But when it comes to the dead person, I'm asking him. He's like, "Hey, can you make the offer for me?" No, not for him. But we can ask him Allah because of him. Allah give us this. What does that mean? Why is it possible? Well, we were saying that Allah, uh, give us this thing. What does that mean? That means that we giving the respect of Prophet the making the wasila of the okay. My my question now is. This way of respecting, is this the way that the companions respected him? Yeah, I know the Do you understand what I'm saying? Right. If, if this isn't a way that they respected him, who are we to come up with a way to respect him in that status? Not saying that, what are some ways that we can respect the Prophet? By sending salat and salam upon him. This is something that he mentions himself, salat and salam. That we, we send our salat. And what is salat and salam? What does salat mean? It means prayer. I'm sending. My, I'm making du'a for the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, and I'm am asking Allah azawajal to put His blessings on Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam. And what are some of the ways that He's blessed? And every time we mention Him, He's honored. Right? You will not find the Prophet being disrespected in any way, shape, or form. 
Or even the ones, um, even the ayah that says, لَقَدْ كَفَرْتُمْ بَعْدَ إِيمَانِكُمْ That the individuals, they said, يعني كُنَّا نَسْتَحْزُوا وَنَلْعَبُ That we were just joking, Ya Rasulullah. You guys know this uh, story in the, from the Qur'an? There, there were some individuals, and what is narrated on them is that they said that we have not seen a nation more cowardly than the companions of Muhammad Wasallam. So Allah Azawajal, He revealed an ayah about them say, saying, لَقَدْ كَفَرْتُمْ بَعْدَ إِيمَانِكُمْ He said, you guys have disbelieved after you had believed. And even though they themselves, they said, كُنَّا نَسْتَحْزُوا وَنَلْعَبُ Ya Rasulullah, we were just joking, we were just playing around. These individuals, the Prophet ﷺ was riding his horse. They were hanging on to the horse, holding on to it. They said, Ya Rasulullah, forgive us, we were just joking. And Allah revealed about them that they are kuffar. Why? Huh? They, they had spoken about the Prophet ﷺ. How come the companions didn't narrate this to us? Because they didn't even want to repeat the words that these individuals had spoke about the Prophet ﷺ. Out of their extreme love for him. They didn't even want to repeat that. They just repeated the part that had to do with them. They didn't even want to repeat the part that had to do with Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa Why? It's out of respect. Out of love. That they didn't even want to have the same, these evil words in the same sentence as the, the, the name of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa So, should we respect him? Yes. If he's the best of creation. There's no doubt about that. So, the question is, how do we respect him? What is the appropriate way of respecting him? And it's important that we follow guidelines in anything that we do in our, in our lives. So, um, concerning this specifically, we'll sit down inshallah and we'll, we'll look into it more. And we'll, we'll see what happens. Because I know that there are some scholars that, that have began their books. Um, there's a there's a mukhtasar of uh, Imam Bukhari that's written by, um, by Muzani. And he says, Bijah and Nabi, and by your status. Know, please bless us. But uh, let me let me look into it much more, inshallah, and then we'll talk. We'll see if that's okay. Thank There is a fringe element that says that. There is a fringe element that says that. I mean, because even even Ahl Sunnah, even we say he's still alive, but he's alive how? Hayat right? Like he, he's alive in the Barzakh. Um, it's not an actual living where, you know, obviously he's not living and breathing amongst us today. No. So some, yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. The Dina Amnu Fasallu Alayhi Sallam Mutasrim. Right. Send you send the Salah and the Salam on the Prophet Sallallahu Alayhi Wasallam. No. Uh huh. Hmm. Yeah. The one who doesn't give me Salam. Yes. So. Jazakum Allah. No. So you know, like, okay, this is something that I've noticed in my thoughts that where like they'll have a picture. Yeah. Oh, don't. What, 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 in what context are you asking? I mean, there, there are a few things here. Number one, culturally, I, I honestly don't know. 
Uh, it's not something that we did, my family doesn't do it, like on either my mother or my father's side. Um, I've seen it in some Hindu traditions where they do hang up people's pictures and they put like flowers and stuff around it. But in, in my family, I don't know. Um, in other families, is it done? It's possible. I just, contextually, it's difficult for me to visualize that because I've never experienced it. Yes? What are the people that they wear? Um, Dawis? Dawis. Dawis, there's a difference of opinion. Oh. Dawis, there's a difference of opinion. Um, I forgot which companion it was, but I think, I think it might have been, been Abu Allah. Allah That he used to wear Dawis. He used to wear Dawis and his, he used to hang it on his children. The majority of the companions, they didn't allow it. The majority of the companions, they didn't allow it. Um, but the condition for the people who do allow it, they say it has to be what? It has to be Quran. Right? This, this is the condition that, uh, that they put, uh, that it has to be Quran. I, I'm of the opinion that it's not permissible. Um, because I feel that that was like, you, you'll, you take it with you to the bathroom and you'll take it to places where it can, it can possibly you know, d d be disrespected. So it's, it's, uh, it's better to avoid it. I don't put it on, um, I don't put it on my children. And I, I, you know, I, like I said, I don't see it to be permissible. But there, there is a valid difference of opinion concerning it. Um, so, no. You mean the dua after Adhan? Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So what is that? What is the the dua for, uh, the dua after the Adhan? Allow him to reach those heights, right? It's for him, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, specifically. It has nothing to do with our connection with him. No. You just mentioned that if yeah. we allow, we don't know. Mm -hmm. But if we go to his uh, grave, so yes. what's the situation? Okay, yeah, we talked about that yesterday also. In terms of the salam, this is something unique to him, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And, and we said that, even today, even right now, even in this gathering, if I say, Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi what happens to that Salat Wasallam? It reaches him. How does it reach him? The angels, they take it to him. But he said, whoever put, gives Salam to me, and the Qabri, and within the vicinity of my grave, what, is, what happens? He said, I hear it. He said, I hear it. Huh? It doesn't matter what day of the week it is. No, no, Friday, we're told to give more salat than salat. That's all. That's the only hukum. Is there any special hearing that happens? No. The, the hearing is at all times. Wallahu uh, alam. But I, I hear it. But we, we also answered that yesterday. What is, by saying that Esau hears it, what, what can we take away from that? What can we understand from that? It's only the salat. It's, it means that the only connection he still has with this world is through the salat. He doesn't have a connection with other things. So when we are there, what should we say? What exact word? You can, you can, as-salamu alaykum. You can say, as-salamu alaykum, ayyuhun nabi, as-salamu alaykum, ya Rasulullah. All of this is fine. There's nothing wrong with that. Yes. We also say, as-salamu alaykum, Amr al-Bakr. Yes, we do. But they, they don't. They don't. And why do we do that? Because it's just like the general ruling of giving salam to the dead. And we talked about that also, because somebody had asked, they said, okay, why do we give salam to the dead? Why? It's for ourselves. For what? There, there is two parts to it, right? Number one, it was for ourselves. What is, what is the part for ourselves? Uh, to for us to remember death. And what was the other part? That we are, we're making dua for them. Uh, the, the essence is that we're making dua for the people of the grave. Because, and, and why do we say that? Did the Prophet some? Did he also say to visit the graves of the mushrikeen and the kufar? Huh? Yes, he did. 
Uh-huh. He said, even the mushrikeen, the kufari, said, visit their graves. Why? Because the same purpose is served. Which purpose is that? They're reminding you of death. But we don't give, we don't say salam. We don't uh, give them salam. What do we say? The Prophet said, "Wabashirum binar." He said, "And give them glad tidings of the fire." But uh, I'm sorry. What do we say when we go to non-Muslim? Do you don't make dua, number one, yeah, because we don't make because after there's a difference of opinion on how to deal with them when they're living. Um, uh, Imam Nawawi he mentions that if there is a non-Muslim. It's in general, it's agreed upon by all the fuqaha, by all the scholars, that it is okay to make du'a for a non-believer. For what? For guidance. For guidance. Oh. Then there's there's a group of scholars that say it is also ma- okay to make general du'a for them. Hmm? There's a group of scholars that say Imam Nawawi was of the opinion that it's okay to make du'a for them. But they all agree upon as soon as the disbeliever dies, what happens? That's it. The door the door of du'a is closed. So during their lifetime, we can make du'a for their hidayah. This is agreed upon. And then there's a difference of opinion on whether you can make general du'a for them. You know, may Allah bless you. May Allah cure you. You know, uh, may Allah yeah, increase salam, you in your wealth. Huh? Salam, yes. No, this is this for the Muslims. This is for the Muslim graves. Yeah, not not uh, not the non-believer graveyards. So um, this was just a very small discussion of, of tawassul. And doing it with the names and attributes of Allah that are appropriate to him, this makes a person more cognizant, more aware of what it is he's asking for and who he is asking from. The next, the next part of the ayah, Allah says, Iyaka wa Iyaka Now the same, the same construction is here that was in Iyaka What is significant about that construction or how the sentence is set up? Right, it starts with you. And we said there are two reasons that Allah Azawajal begins by saying you. What were those two reasons? Okay, yeah, by, by singling him out, mashallah, good. Because had we said it the other way, and we seek aid from you, what does that imply? That you can seek aid from other ones. Allah Azawajal also preceding himself or putting himself in the beginning of the sentence is also what? How does that benefit us? Out of respect. Right, out of respect and honoring Allah Azza wa Jal. So Allah Azza wa Jal, He says, وَإِيَّاكَ نَسْتَعِينَ Why does He mention istiana? Or what, is this, what does that mean? وَإِيَّاكَ نَسْتَعِينَ We alone, we worship as وَإِيَّاكَ نَعْبُدْ وَإِيَّاكَ نَسْتَعِينَ Seeking help. Right? Right, istiana means to seek aid or to seek help. Why does He mention istiana after ibadah? Yeah, right. He says, Why didn't he say, Why didn't he say, Why didn't he Okay. So it's like worshiping. It's like praise, praise and worship. If 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 I asked uh, if I asked somebody, I said, Hey, can you get me a glass of water? Is that permissible or no? Yeah. Why? Why you can't stay? To rely on Allah alone. Yeah, why? 
have to seek aid from help him alone. How are you allowing me to ask him? Didn't I make shit? <laughs> <laughs> but, but you're you're talking to a person, but you're addressing. Yeah. In that concept, you're addressing a person. Yes. I don't say that to my son. I say, <laughs> I say, I say, go, I say, go get me some water. <laughs> no, but it's na'ana, the verb itself. Yeah. No, no. Yuana you, is to help to help somebody. That's it. Istiana is, is seeking help. Okay, I'm seeking help. I'm seeking aid. My car broke down. Help me out. Because we're combining Okay, I would say that that's good manners with Allah. There's no doubt about that. But if if I'm a sinner and I ask Allah to bless me or to give me wealth, is that a condition? Well, you have to understand. He's, he ordained it, so it's like... Huh? He said it. Okay. That's it. I'm with you. <laughs> <laughs> I think mean, well, you have to establish your servant. Okay, that's good. That establish that you yourself are a slave, right. right? And you can't do anything on your own. I think that's very... I think all these comments are excellent. I think they're very good. But it still doesn't answer the question, why mention ibadah before isti'ana? Can, oh, hey, okay, here. Let, let me ask a question another way. Or let, let, let me hear what you, what Ramiz well, has to say. Because, um, as a believer, uh-huh. you have to, um, you have to pray to him first for them to ask. Hmm. Because if you're not a believer, you have to just ask. Okay. So you have to ask the authority. Yeah, like you just. Yeah, yeah. Wait, isn't it the same thing as the story of the people's gate, where like they mentioned their their worship first, or like their good deeds first? Okay, that's tawassul, right? That's tawassul, doing tawassul with good deeds. Let me ask the question another way. Am I allowed to worship other than Allah? No. Am I allowed to seek help from other than Allah? No. How come everybody got confused? I gave the water example. <laughs> and all of, you said, all of you agreed upon, all the fuqaha agreed that you guys said this is okay. Ah. Question again, and inshallah, this will help clarify a little bit. Can we do ibadah to other than Allah? No. no. Can I seek somebody else's help? Yes. yes. Does that help understand? Now, why did Allah mention ibadah first and isti'ana second? Because ibadah is strictly for Him and solely for Him. That's why He mentions it first. But isti'ana, I'm sorry? It would, but over here, putting things in order, you have to understand, Allah's wajid, one thing we need to understand about the Qur'an, is it a very long book? No. Comparatively? No. No. Why? Okay, uh, Allah's wajid, He mentions only important points. That's a very good, that's good. Why? To concise it. To make the book concise. Why make the book concise? Then it, it makes it easy to? Memorize, right? It makes it easy to memorize, it makes it easy to internalize. Right? When we want to reference the book of Allah, the one who is hafil, the one who has things memorized, it's very quick. But if the book, if 
had Allah willed, he could have made the Quran, what, like 70 volumes, if he wanted to. <laughs> Not it, I mean, he's Allah, but he didn't. He made it into one book. And he tried to keep things as short and concise as possible. Not only did he keep things short and concise, the way that he would present things are what? No, in, a, in a very eloquent, logical, beautiful way. And the way he presented things and the way he would say things, all of these things are what? Are they by accident or by pur on purpose? purpose? There's a purpose behind the way things are presented. So you're absolutely right. Structurally and contextually and like as a sentence, he's out, it's, it's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. Had Allah says, there's nothing wrong with that sentence. Nothing at all. But the way he said it, that's the best way to say it. Why? Because like we said, the ibadah is strictly and solely for Allah. And the type of isti'ana, the type of aid that he's talking about here, what is he saying? It's the type that would fall under what? Worship. Under worship. Because the worship is the what? It's the bigger umbrella and isti'ana is a part of that umbrella. Seeking the aid is part of that umbrella. <coughs> because Allah knows that it's possible to seek aid from other people. And this is something that's completely just. Hey, can I borrow a pen? Can you give me a ride? Can I get some water? I'm seeking somebody else's help in these things. But all those things are permissible. And we'll talk about the conditions of where it becomes permissible, where it's not, inshallah. But you, you had a comment on this? Yes, because of, because of the, uh, the book being perfect, uh -huh. isn't Arabic itself they extract information from it? From the, 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 the Arabic is meant so. What, what is the question Meaning exactly? Like people, people, when they're trying to understand or trying to construct something, they, uh -huh. they go to the Quran to uh -huh. get information or to see. Okay, so. How do we understand the Qur'an? Is that the question? Or the language itself, how it's constructed. How's, how do we understand the construction? How do we understand the language? How, what are some things that we take away from it? Yes, this is very important. And, 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 and huh. still do it, right? People actually go yeah, to yeah. the Qur'an to... No, no. I, and, and we mentioned this on the, in the first class, right? What are some of the ways that an individual... Or what are some of the things an individual needs to have? Or what are the, some of the tools that we need to have to understand the Qur'an? And we talked about that. Language being the bar none most important. Barna, there's no doubt about it. Without the language, you're not going to understand what Allah is just saying. And not just that, if you don't understand the significance of the construction in the language, of why, what happens when you proceed and you move things and you move words around in the sentence, even though the sentence itself is correct, the meaning has a slightly different twist to it. And that's one of the things here. Allah, he talks, he says, وَإِيَّاكَ نَعْبُدْ He said, and you alone we worship, وَإِيَّاكَ in you alone we seek aid from And Allah knows that there is different types of aid But he mentions this after the ibadah To show that any type of isti'ana Any type of aid, aid that is needed from the ibadah That is, falls under ibadah You can only do with, with him So where am I allowed to seek aid from other people from now? How? What are some situations? What are some conditions? Yes? I had a side question uh -huh. As long as it's related Yeah, it is uh -huh. Why is it in Surah Fatiha Allah only, only mentions two names? Mm -hmm. Ah, so the brother said, why does Surah Fatiha only mention two names? Does it only mention two names? Firstly, that's the first question. Yes? Three. Three. What is the third? Allah. Allah. Yeah, I would say it even goes further than that. Where else? Malik Yawm al Rab. It's another one. Huh. How many more names do you want? <laughs> <laughs> so there are a number of names. You just have to pay attention. 
you just have to pay attention, but there are a number of names that, that are definitely mentioned there. But regardless, had Allah Azawajal only mentioned one name, why would that be significant? All, okay, mashallah, that's a very good point. When we get to the guidance, I'll talk about Allah Azawajal, when we ask Him for guidance, why are those names mentioned and why, what is the connection to that? How come he didn't mention six names, or ten names, or fifteen names? Why did he mention the names that he did, and what do those have to do with guidance? Everything's connected. Like this, this is the beauty of the Quran. You, know, you go up, down, left, right, wherever, there is a connection there. And that is from the eloquence of it, and that's from the beauty of it. So, the uh, istian, where am I allowed to seek from somebody else? What are the situations I can ask somebody else? When I'm drowning. Yeah. So emerg- emergency situations. I guess uh-huh. like any time that you're not worshiping them. Like the okay. As long as it's not worship. And mashallah, that's a, that's a very good um, criteria. I think that's an excellent criteria. As long as you are not worshiping that person, you are more than welcome to ask aid for, from them. So asking somebody for a pen, number one, he has the ability to give me that pen. Yes or no? But if I said, yeah, he, can you do me a favor? You're like, sure, what's up? Can you increase my iman? Why is that a problem? Because that's unique. Yeah, that's unique to Allah. Only Allah can do that for me. You know, it's not, it's not in your capacity. Yeah, yeah. Can you can you just give me a few more years to my life? No, it's not. It's not in your ability. This is something that Allah so He alone controls all of these things. So where wherever it is not ibadah, it is permissible for me to do that. And as long as that person is able to do whatever it is you're asking from. Hmm. Yes. So if someone believes that like the help that they're getting. Seeking a means, seeking worldly means to cures, seeking worldly means to money, seeking worldly means to attain, to get to a place. Here, let me give, let me give an easier example. I I want to come to the masjid, right? So what means would I rely on to come to the masjid? My car, right? Yeah. I would rely on my car. It is okay for me, perfectly fine for me to rely on that car. Why? Because this is not, I'm not worshipping that car. But if I had this car, or should we go back to the seatbelt? No? no? <laughs> <laughs> but, well, but the car, if I'm saying that this car is going to guarantee that I get to live. That's, why is that a problem? Because, because only Allah Azawajal can provide guarantees. But if I said this car will get me to the masjid, that's fine. Yeah, it's, it's a means for me to get there. Or this job is a means for me to earn. Right? Or this pencil is a means for me to what? To write. This book is a means for me to gain knowledge. Using worldly means is something that not only is it allowed, it's something that's recommended. The Prophet has recommended in many, many ahadith. He himself, when he went into battle, he used to wear armor. He himself, whenever he would you know, purchase or take loans or do these things, there would be people involved in that. You didn't find, there's a difference between doing proper tawakkul and doing tawakkul. Tawakkul is, you know, I'm going to walk across the street, you know, I'm going to walk across Route 1 with my eyes closed. It's ridiculous. Right? But I'm going to press the crosswalk button. I'm going to wait for the cars to stop. These, All these means are mashu'ah. I'm supposed to take those means. And then I'm going to cross the road. Now, if I get hit by a car after taking all those means, did I do anything wrong? 
No, absolutely not. I took the means that I had to. But if I start saying, okay, this crosswalk will guarantee that I get to the other side of the world, this is, this is where it becomes problematic. This job will guarantee that I earn. There's no guarantees. Okay, the only guarantees are with Allah. And, but like I said, the criteria you mentioned, as long as you are not worshipping, doing istana of that individual is fine. It's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. Uh, so Allah he says And then not only does he mention that He starts mentioning examples of how to do ibadah And how to do isti'ana After this, immediately after this What is, what is the following ayah? So how do we worship him? And how do we seek his aid? By seeking His, his guidance And Allah subhanAllah The way he, he says we don't say We don't say Ya Allah guide us to the path Allah not only tells us He tells us about this path What is unique about this path? It's straight It's a straight path And not just that How many paths are there? One There's one path And it's a straight path And this goes back to The fact that it's one And the fact that it's straight How does that benefit us? It's easy, number one. Right, it's the quickest route to get to Jannah. What else? It's clear. Right, you can see exactly where the path is going. If a path is straight, you know exactly where it's going. Even if it has a slight curve and it goes and disappears into the distance, you don't know where it's going. But if it's a straight, you know exactly where it's going. And where does this go back to? This goes back to the beginning of the surah. When Allah describes himself as what? Rahman bin Rahim. And it, subhanAllah, the way the entire surah is tied around each other from the beginning to the end of it is really marches. It's really amazing. And because he's Rabbil Alameen, because he's the one that nurtures us and educates us and takes care of us, we have to do what? We have to ask him to guide us. Because his duty as Rabbil Alameen is to provide the means for that guidance. So, how are we doing on time? Four minutes. Huh? Four minutes. Four minutes left? Yeah. Okay. So, the, the fact that he's Rahman, the fact that he's Rahim, the fact that he's Rabbil Alameen, right, of all of mankind, <coughs> this is why we can rely on him. And how do we rely on him? By doing ibadah of him and by seeking his help. And how do we seek his help? By asking for his guidance to the path that is straight. Allah Azawajal, he further goes on to qualify this, this sirat. He goes on further to qualify what this path consists of. So how does he further go on to describe it? Sirat al-ladhina an'amta So he says, not only is this path straight, and not only is it singular, there are a group of people that what? Who, who have the favor and who have traveled this path. So not only is this path straight, not only is this path singular, there, its path is what? Is also huh? traveled. And you know what happened to the people who traveled on it. What happened? They were rewarded. They were successful. And how much more clear clarity do we want in our lives? Allah is telling me this path is easy, it's straight, it's clear. There are a number of people who have gone down this path, so it's not something strange. 
And then he goes further on to describe He said, and Allah in his infinite mercy and wisdom He, he closes Fatiha with what? The Fatiha was revealed where? In, in Mecca and Medina It was revealed in Mecca And this, uh, that's something that's very important Something that's very significant So Because it was revealed in Mecca who, Who's the audience? The Quraysh right? The Mushrikeen of Quraysh And this helps us In the end of the ayah Allah He says like This path is the one that was traveled on By those who have who, who your, your favor has been upon And Huh? Not the one who's? Those who your anger has fallen upon And Allah There are two groups of people here That he's talking about He could have said Yes Whoever's anger has fallen Because the ones who are misguided Is Allah pleased with them? Or he's angry with them too. Yeah, he's angry with both groups. So it's important for us to understand what is it that differentiates these two and, and how come these two reasons are enough for these two people to have or these two groups to have fallen off the path. So why would Allah be angry at a group? And how would be a group be misguided? Because both of these things apply in both situations. Right? If Allah is angry with someone, then they are what? They're misguided. And if someone's misguided, then Allah is angry with them. But there's some differentiating factor there that Allah is, is showing us and telling us. And there's a reason that we repeat the surah so many times during the day. Like people say 17, I mean 17 is the minimum. 17 is the minimum. That's like not counting sunan, that's not counting witam, that's not counting you know, all the other salawat that, that we make. But inshallah, I think we'll stop there. We'll stop there, we'll talk about uh, Allah's wrath, Allah's anger, and we'll talk about misguidance uh, tomorrow, inshallah, we'll spend a little bit more time on that. Allahu alayhi wa sallallahu ala khayri khatim nabiyyina Muhammad wa ala alayhi wa sallam. Thank you. Yeah. Huh? Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yes. Those are the example of people who are guided. Hmm. People who are guided. It just brought my. It just. You know, I never thought about it. Exactly.